Hello, and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Hello from Turkey. We are sitting in a beautiful bay, and it's so calm. The sun has gone down over the hill, so it's going down. There's there's sun still in, in the distance. And it's a pretty quiet bay, but there are a gaggle of French people on the boat next to us um, having aperitifs, so they can be heard <laughs> heartily in the background. Playing dominoes. Oh, is that what they're doing? Yeah. Awesome. So we would like to continue our comfort versus performance conversation. So this is part two to the podcast originally a couple episodes ago that we uh, kind of talked about this topic. And just to set up this next episode, at the time, we were talking a lot about the various trade-offs of comfort versus performance and what we've observed while being on this boat, our Sona 47. And um, just kind of, you know, as we've sailed it, understanding what we like and don't like about, you know, the the performance trade-offs or, or, you know, we have tons of comfort. So we're trying for to... For our style of cruising us, that we learn. Right what we're learning about it. Mm. Um, so we got off of that podcast and we had been thinking about it before, but I think we got off that podcast and like, we're, we're having this conversation and we're trying to compare our boat to an Outremer to have that conversation about, about the trade-offs. And we've never actually been on an Outremer. So we decided to take a road trip and we were already going to Istanbul, which is what we talked about um, in our last episode and, and, and everything, but we were like, "What the heck? Let's go to La Grand Mot." Yeah, I, I think it's important. Uh, I mean, to understand first the performance cruising, what that means in in uh, from a, from Utomia's point of view, and listen to the first podcast. But obviously, so you can watch a couple of videos, listen to a couple of people, start making sense for you. But you really need to yeah. get get on it and and get a feel for it. That's the that's true because we were theoretically, you know, we had been um, gathering a lot of information and watching some of these same videos, and theoretically it makes sense. But honestly, I was really, and I think I mentioned this in that podcast, like, you know, there is a price difference, although it's not much once you add up everything we ended up putting on this boat to make it for shorthanded sailing and blue water sailing which we'll talk about more um but you know is it is it that different like is the sailing actually different and theoretically we could explain it but we'd never done it so it it sort of was important to us to have an informed perspective having been on the boat at that time so that's why we went on the trip yeah and and again, I mean, there's something that is very logical. It's just physics, you know. Right. So so you can relate to this and be, yeah, of course, this boat is going to perform better than this particular boat. What was very interesting to summarize the performance cruising is like, even if you have the performance under the hood, the cruisers are basically choosing to sail comfortably at 10, 12 knots average and uh, and if they need more speed, they can have more speed. But uh, at 10, 12 knots, the boat, you can reef, be at 10, 12 knots, less load on the boat, 
better motion of the boat, the boat is more comfortable sailing, and, and the people, the crew is more comfortable. And uh, so that, that was the part that, um, uh, besides the light air sailing, um, that we wanted to really uh, experience. Right. So what Stefan just summarized is sort of the philosophy that we were told um, and had read about, about the Outremer before we went to Le Grand Mott. And, you know, it's not about going fast. It's about sailing comfortably. And so we were trying to wrap our heads around what exactly that meant. And that, that was kind of the thing that was elusive to me because I have less, I think, um, passage experience and, and deep uh, blue water experience than Stefan does. So we go to Le Grand Mott. We were timing it um, after the Cannes boat show. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really want to go to a boat show um, although it would have been fun, we would have just spent money, and that uh-huh. wasn't really the point. Um, but uh, what Outremer was doing is they have this thing called Outremer Week, which they do twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And it it's for their owners. They do a lot of training, um, not only on the specific boat and the systems and you know maintenance and diesel mechanics and safety. Safe. They they do other things like safety and. Medical, yeah. So a ton of really great workshops, which actually would benefit anybody. And which, by the way, if you buy an Utomer, we found out the training is free. Of course, it's it's included included. in the price, (laughs) but it's a nice perk when you buy an expensive boat to like be okay. I don't have to pay for that extra. And and you can take the training as many times as yeah, you want. Yeah, you can go as much as you want is what, so, is what they said. So that's that's nice. Yeah. So and then so we didn't go to the training, obviously, because we're training every day on our own boat, although I would like to take the oh, we would have learned courses. Things, but <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. That was not a purpose of a training. Right. So um, we came at the tail end. There were sailing days and they were sort of doing um, regatta like a rally. Yeah. So basically they have so the uh, Grand Lodge yachting. Um, who owns Gunboat, Outremer, and two other companies that do aluminum boats, organized this around-the-world tour in three years. So they were going to leave on uh, Monday, September 27th, so just prior to that. Typically, they have a regatta, but they didn't want to have a whole you know, regatta just before people like they have their boat ready to leave around the world. So it was, they called it like a mini sailing days or something right. like this. So it was just, and it ended up being quite competitive. <laughs> it was, it was kind of fun. But yeah. the, so, the, so just to set the, the stage. So we were there for, for the Friday, which was supposed to be just an open day and a factory tour and, you know, informational for us. And then the Saturday and, Saturday and Sunday were the sailing days. What ended up happening is the Sunday got canceled um, because of weather, although it could have also been because a lot of the people leaving on the Monday world trip were leaving on Monday, so it was kind of tight. So um, we ended up sailing on Friday and, and Saturday instead. Yeah, and we visited the factory prior. Prior, yeah, on, on Thursday. So um, where do you want to start, Stefan, on observations? Uh, do you want to say something about the factory? so um it was very different than the fountain peugeot factory tour uh by a by a mile 
So the Fountain Peugeot factory tour, I think we did a podcast on that. Um, it was uh, organized, spotless, um, very structured. They had various workstations. You know, you could tell they were following all the OSHA or I don't know what the French version of the safety procedures are. Like they were just very, it was very much, uh, I wouldn't call it a modern manufacturing facility, you know, if you're comparing it to like a Tesla factory. But I mean, as in terms of boatyards go, I would say it it was pretty well organized. Yeah. And and they, uh, for our boat, it's pretty much one a week. Uh, that they release, and then yeah. you have the 45, you have the 42, the 40. So I think th- because it's more of a mass production boat in the term of like M- yeah, boat whatever production, that means. Yeah. Um, I think it requires a, a lot, lot more process and, yes. and procedure. And you can see it. Yes. And obviously many more people, workers. Um, and more people probably come in and out, right? Mm-hmm. So they have to have the processes to kind of manage the yeah. different types of people. Ochmer, um semi-custom boats. Semi-custom boat, um, made handmade with care. Um, it very like the best word to describe it is sort of like my grandpa's garage. Like <laughs> it was this older building. Um, you know they they don't make as many boats, so there's you don't get that uh, factory line kind of feel in there. It's sort of like this. This area is for this, and this area is for that. So it was very, very different than what we had seen at Fountain Peugeot. Mm-hmm. And um, Matthew explained, you know, there was some, they're thinking about kind of moving because they're kind of growing out of their current um, uh, current facility and some other things. So I, I definitely think that plays a part in it because um, they're trying to figure out, they're, they're kind of bursting at the seams for space, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, I don't know, but what did you think? Yeah, I would think, you say um, that's fair? Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally fair. It's, uh, it's, yeah, very different than what you have in your head in terms of oh, the Outremer factory. It's going to be da da da, and then you go see it, and it's something completely different. Now, well, on the other hand, there's something with the price point. Yeah, you know, it's obviously a more expensive boat, which is justified by being semi-custom. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, you know, the FP Lagoon Leopard boats. They come out of the factory with a few options you can choose from, mm-hmm. and then you go through a process of commissioning, mm-hmm. and then you go through another process right. where you kind of continuing to equip your boat. The, this is different. Yeah, they take more time to build the boat, and, and they, they bu- do everything. Yeah, they build it to you know because it's semi-custom. So you you can ask like, okay, I want you know uh, this option versus this one, and I'm eventually I'll want to add you know uh, this particular dinghy. So you get everything as part of your the build process. And pretty much, I mean, the boat comes out of the factory with even the stickers on it. So, right, right. So the artwork, yeah. you know, any any piece of equipment you want on it, Ultramere does it. And that's mm. a very different process. So it takes a long time for them to build boats all in one. Mm. On the other hand, I love the fact that there's like one, like one throat to choke, I guess, is, you know, that's the one person you go to if you have any problems with the boat. Yeah. Um, so that was very, very different. Um, and then Matthew sat down with us and sort of explained the philosophy with, which Stefan touched upon. Is there anything else that he told us in that discussion that was worthwhile to share? 
Well, I mean, he shared a lot of details about the, you know, from a naval architect point of view, why they design this way and not this way, because everything is about compromise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can move things in one direction, and then you're going to lose in the other side. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to find that right balance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he touched about. Uh, different different example mm-hmm. stories um, that I don't think we have yeah. time to go into here. The other thing I, I that Matthew kind of talked about, and this was apparent in the factory tour as well, was because the gunboat is part of their family now. And mm-hmm. by the way, you walk into the the gunboat part of the of the boatyard, and it's a completely different. It's it's bank and clean. It's um, you know very very organized. Um, we saw some really big boats that we couldn't take pictures of, um, which were just jaw dropping, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think what what he was saying is they're learning things from the gunboat, not only from a design standpoint, but also from a, a build little bit perspective. like I mean, it's I don't know if it's a good parallel, but like, a little bit like Formula One develops certain technologies and eventually it comes down to like everyday cars so Mm -hmm. gunboat is obviously their kind of research and development yeah that's what he said and since they're part of their own family then there are some benefits like the uh, for example the 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 optimized foam Mm -hmm. and i think we talked about this in the last podcast which allow them you know huge weight savings so that's a technology that they learned from gunboat they applied to the automare and they're offering this option in mm-hmm. the current boats uh, to basically uh, have a lighter boat. Now, they use with the 55, and we'll talk a little bit more about the 55, but now it becomes a standard technology for their boats. And instead of just making a lighter boat to make it faster, uh, they chose to basically use this weight saving to add more comfort and volume into uh, the Automare 55. So basically adding more comfort uh, to, uh, to, to, to those performance-oriented cruising boats. So, yeah, so that was very interesting uh, to say. I mean, and, and it's basically cost money to, to have engineers, you know, do research and development. So now they don't have to hire those people. They can take mm-hmm. advantage of doing working on some projects. And obviously they work with, like on the 55, and with VPLP, which is a famous naval architect company in France developing some you know, super fast racing boats. Mm-hmm. So um, they go also outside to, to get you know, that, that, mm-hmm. that experience and that you know, expertise. Yeah, and he said their goal is to build the perfect... Uh, sailing multi-hole, basically. The perfect boat. Which I would argue right now, the Automare 55, disregarding the price, the, the size for a couple or whatever, but I will say it's it's amazing. It yeah. goes fast and it's outstanding. I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah, so, so let's jump to Sunday and then we'll come back and talk okay. about the sailing. So on Sunday we went and we were able to visit um, Cat Great Circle. Cat Great Circle on their boat. Uh, they're on a 55 and you know, I had seen their videos and um, and you know, saw the boat and all of that. 
But you walk into this boat and my jaw dropped. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was amazing. Everything about it was just perfect. I mean, there wasn't one thing on that boat I would want to be different except maybe smaller. It (laughs) it should be small. Like one of the cool things about it is... Um, and Cat Great Circle did things with Outremere to customize it. Like I said, these are semi-custom boats. So um, she had said, I don't want this upholstery. I want this other thing. And they worked together with their interior designers and they came up with something completely different. And so a lot of it is is super custom. But, um, you know, it, it's just... It was, it was shocking. It, it looked like a home. It, it doesn't even look like a condo. It looked like a house, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. What, what was your first impression? Oh, I was, I had seen the videos and I, and I, and it was already amazing yeah. watching you, but when you come on the boat and, and it's truly because you have this really open cockpit and the, the opening between the salon and the cockpit is so big. Mm-hmm that is just one one space it gives now, yeah. yeah it's just between the sound and the cockpit it's a big boat it's a very beamy boat and now you have this one space for the sound cockpit i mean truly one space it didn't feel like two different areas and, and i think they yeah. have a floor that's one floor between the two so i think that creates, you know, that helps create that feeling as well. Yeah. But the space is huge. It, it just looks like, a, a, you know, like a one big, huge room. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and it's a fast boat. It's very fast. Uh, we saw the 55s on the, on the Saturday and they were going fast. So I would I would have argue, a lot of carbon. I would. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would argue that, yeah, right now. Money aside, <laughs> yeah, money aside. The, the Automia 55 is definitely like yeah. uh, uh, an awesome compromise of speed and and uh, of performance and comfort. Yeah, I don't personally understand how two people can sail that boat. And you know, your your what you said to me is, you know, if someone gave us the keys to that boat, we'd figure out how to sail it. But yeah, um, I, mean, the, the I think it's big. The I think it's big. Is, is the same as on any boat. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's more why well, everything is going to get a bit bigger. So yeah. you'll have bigger sales and when everything goes well, then it's awesome. And mm-hmm. when you make a mistake, then you have a bigger sale and bigger mistake to, to yeah. try to fix or correct. And Well, so, and it comes down to the couple's experience too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, they came from a bigger boat. And so actually, you know, this is... They've had many boats, yeah. They've had Monol, they've had uh, Lagoon 39, Lagoon 52, and now this Ultramare, and they've sailed quite a bit. So yeah, definitely they have a lot of uh, cruising yeah, experience. Yeah, so they, they aren't kind of unnerved by the size at all. It's super comfortable on the boat. Uh, for me, I think it's too big for us um, right now, based on our level of experience and, and you know, my distance dys- dysmorphia that I have when we come close to mm-hmm. things. Anyway, um, okay, so let's get back to the sailing experience. So mm-hmm. on Friday, we went out and it was light wind, which was great because we definitely wanted to experience how the boat sailed in, in you know, five knots of wind, what happened. Because on five knots of wind on this boat, uh, as we we're mentioned motoring. before, we're, we're definitely motoring. Oh, we stay at anchor. Yeah. So why don't you describe what that was like? Yeah, basically that day we had three to seven knots, uh, on average five. 
we were on the on a Neutromia 51. Uh, and uh, basically, I will say, without doing much, the boat sails easily like one knot below wind speed. I think with a little bit of uh, trimming, attention to, to the trim, I mean, yeah, sailing at, uh, at wind speed, that's their goal, up to 12 knots to be able to, uh, of wind to sail at, at wind speed. Obviously, uh, beyond 12 knots to sail even much, much faster. And I would say, yeah, that was pretty, pretty easy um, to reach uh, almost wind speed with just, you know, people just being on the boat observing. We were just, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 people Mm-hmm. and different people driving and um so uh it was not something where everybody it was like everything was optimized but no. easily the boat was moving and you just can can feel the boat Glide gliding yeah. yeah so that was a real eye opener because uh like i said we wouldn't be even thinking about putting sails up unless there was consistent wind over 10 knots in, in this boat yeah eight depending of uh, mm-hmm. the wind angle um i think we start considering it um in this case obviously it depends the direction of the wind but i mean if you if you have five knots and you can pretty much travel at four or five knots um that means easily you can do 25 miles in the day i mm-hmm. mean that's 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 quite a bit mm-hmm. you know so obviously the without wind the won't motor. stay yeah without <laughs> the motor and um and then you know without leaving at dawn and yeah and then um and then you know without suddenly having to put the motor so if you have maybe a little bit more wind it goes down to 5 you can keep sailing the wind goes back up you go faster you basically continue sailing through the day and you can make a lot of miles through, through that day. Mm-hmm. And then just you sail. Um, in our case, yeah, if the wind goes, you know, you might have eight, ten knots, we start sailing and the wind dies a little bit, then you motor sail and then, you know, or you motor and then you need to relaunch the sails if the wind comes back up and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. what's going to happen versus the other one, which is Automia, you keep sailing because mm-hmm. the boat keeps moving in this light air. So, mm-hmm. so that was that was great to, I guess, to see it, to live it for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, to see how, how fast the boat moves in, in very, very light wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So that that was a real eye opener. So then on on Saturday the next day, it was a perfect. bit breezy. <laughs> it was perfect because it was the opposite of Friday, right? Uh, where we had uh, twenty twenty two knots, an average up to twenty five, and uh, and the sea state, which was uh, great because it was very like you know, short waves confused seas and then we did the triangle around buoys so you know we've gone upwind we've gone different wind angles and yeah the sea state was really confused and um i i was trying to understand what was happening because there was no i don't know if they have a current over there or how that works but yeah everything was just kind of choppy and mm-hmm. in some some sometimes the waves were quite large um mm-hmm. and which is great because this is not just the wind right. that we want to experience because you know of course if the if it's 20 knots of wind and flat sea first it doesn't happen but then you know the boat is going to like perform really well but we want to see it in in conditions mm-hmm. where the sea state is challenging mm-hmm. because uh, we know with our boat 
if there's a little bit of waves and you go a little bit upwind, um, every time you hit a wave, you Pounding. lose the speed, you pound, and it's hard for the boat to really get some kind of motion and a momentum. In this case, that was quite different. Yeah, so this was a completely different sailing experience than what mm -hmm. I've experienced before on this boat. I was actually surprised how different it was because I, I kind of went going, okay, you know, maybe you'll notice a difference and I'll be like, okay, it's, it's maybe different this way, but I had no idea how different it was. And like the best way I can describe it is, you know, on the water, any, any angle, the boat, it just felt like the boat was saying, I got this, you know, I, I'm good. I'm, I was like built for this, you know, mm. like it had, it had confidence and it was going through the wave, just slicing right through, no problem. And what was also really unique about, um, not just feeling what was going on in the boat at that time, uh, also 51, um, was seeing the other boats because we were in this rally with like 20 other boats. Um, so you could see how all of the other Urtumers were yeah, also... 5X, what was, 55, yeah. other 51, 4X, 45. Yeah, and we're all kind of doing the same thing. And so, you know, you, you could kind of feel what was going on in your boat, but you could also see what, what you know, how the Urtumers kind of handled and the these acceleration. Other. Yeah, the and acceleration was amazing. And then, and then how each boat, I mean, many boats... I would think the I would say the the ones that are more kind of a race <laughs> oriented, like five X. Well, not especially the the all any boats, depending on the, the, oh, the people owner. on board. The owner <laughs> um, in twenty twenty two knots up to twenty five, they had full main, full sails. They they had up and and on our fifty one, we had one reef in the main and a full Genoa, and so. It was great because you're like, okay, it's 2022. The boat was sailing really comfortably. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no slapping. The the, the the bows were slicing through the waves. Of course, the bow, like when you were, sure. uh, will go up and down at times. But, but it wasn't that pounding. It was a fluid yeah. motion. Definitely and was smooth. It didn't seem to like kill the speed. Um, and so it was it was continuous kind of flow and, and going through the waves. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I would have probably taken a reef as well and have the Genoa and that was like that was great. But other people it was great to see that you can be in full main be even really on a aggressive. 55 on a 5x mm -hmm. in 2022 20, knots average and even at 25, you're probably pushing it. Uh, but it's great because now you're like, okay, this boat can sail in this condition. And if it goes up to like 25, um, you can basically say, okay, let's hang on for a little while. Let's see if the wind's going to die and maybe you don't need to take a reef right now. So, mm -hmm. so that was... Uh, and speed-wise, we got just under 16. But again, we weren't oh, like, sailing like max speed. Yeah, aggressively. Yeah. We, I, you know, we weren't sailing ag aggressively on our boat like others maybe were. But, um, but we were like pretty much 10, 12 knots mm -hmm. going upwind. We were over 10 like in these waves, I was like really surprised how the boat was just moving. Mm -hmm. Upwind so, was actually incredible too, for yeah. sure. And so, you know, it's that difference between being on a boat that can handle it and, you know, it wants to be pushed, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like it's confident mm -hmm. and it's purposeful when it's going through the water. 
And this boat, you know, is kind of like, you, we put the sails up and it's kind of like, do I have to, you know? It's Depends on the condition, but in yeah. those conditions, yeah, we, we probably, um, yeah, it yeah. would have not been good to do a triangle. No. Because <laughs> uh, there was definitely We'd be clunking some, along, yeah. 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 Yeah, so that was really, really eye-opening and incredibly different. And um, the dagger boards were down, and then at one point he pulled them up because he yeah. wanted to show how it changed the smoothness of yeah. the of the waves. Oh, the the, the boat. Yeah, yeah, first it accelerated, and there was less drag in the water, mm-hmm. so uh, you you gain speed, and then the the boat. You can feel the motion is is less. Um, how can I say it's more fluid? You right. Know, the, the, you don't have these dagger boards and in the water and and when you're going like downwind and and so suddenly it's just like you, yeah you f- you kind of feel how the boat behaves. Yeah. And that, that was pretty cool. But those dagger boards when you need to go upwind. I mean, I remember on Friday there was a little. Uh, They're fishing. clapping for us. Yeah, there was a little fishing <laughs> fishing buoy, and mm-hmm. and naturally, like, because you know, on a boat like ours, to go upwind, I mean, you you don't try to go too close to the wind. You know, you're going to drift sideways, and I was logically trying to go below, and he said, "Oh no, no, you can point." And then I started turning, turning, started turning the wheel, and I'm like, "Whoa!" It just like took like 15, 20 degrees. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, this boat can point." Yeah. And uh, that's definitely. And the I mean, wheel those... felt really different, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, pretty smooth. Yeah, it was really a, a great experience. Yeah. Um, Sailed with the tillers as well, mm-hmm. um, and the, those seats. I. That was one of my concerns, like sitting in those seats on the side. I thought with the boat moving that, you know, you might feel like insecure, but you were sitting in there and you were like totally Yeah, those bucket seats were great. I mean, I don't know. I would have liked a seatbelt or something, but, you know, that's me. Um, but like you're not holding onto no, the no, seat. No, no, no. The it motion was of the boat is, is fluid and you're staying in the seat. And, it's and I, think, I think, too, it's because, um, like I said, you, you get that. It, 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 I felt safe on the boat. You know, I didn't feel like I was being jerked around from side to side or bounced up and down. Like it, it, it felt like you were secure on the boat. I was also concerned about the open helm. Um, you know, so that's still a thing. I love the helm setup we have because it is so enclosed and protected. But you know, that's kind of mm. a different philosophy. Their philosophy is to helm from inside the boat which we talked about on the Not last to helm but to stand watch yeah know, from yeah. from the salon right. and the cockpit that's basically how in an ultramar the nav station um you're doing watch and and then you go to the helm basically to adjust the sails and and you know to and and that's that's it yeah so it's a very different philosophy from what we're used to yeah and so you know that was kind of the different excelling experience um you know, I think just in general, not to go, this podcast isn't really about all the options available on Ultramere, but they do do like lithium out of the factory. They do some things that, you know, a lot of people want, um, we would want, hmm. you know, if, if we could, could have gotten it. And, um, you know, there's been these other discussions on other YouTube channels as well on, you know, comfort versus performance. And so it was really good to kind of see for ourselves what what they meant. Um, but I think more I think the more intangible thing was understanding how it felt like, you know, what that what that comfort sailing on a performance boat, what that 
what that feels like because in some of these other discussions it's which boat's better for long-term cruising you know a um, more of uh, uh, what do they call it the condo Moran people mm. are calling it or a, a performance based you know boat so and that's hard because obviously if you go to a boat show um, this is what sells you know I mean first all these production boats they are you know target the the charter market you know so you have like mm-hmm. eight people you you need like everything to be big and large and you know and and um so um, so there, there is that piece, but and you're you're usually at a dock at a boat show, yeah. and and you're looking at the inside. You're not sailing the boat. You're looking at the living space. Exactly. So so that's that's the hot part for mm-hmm. a boat manufacturer like Outremer because you you look at their current boat, putting the fifty five aside, and it's definitely the performance. Um, that they've been focusing on means that you know the livability inside is is less obviously than a, um, than a production boat. So, but now with the 55, I would argue that you know once people are going to step on a 55 at well, a the boat 55's show, huge. Like they're the, going to be beautiful. like, wow! Yeah. It's like so you're telling me like I get all this comfort, <laughs> I can be livable on this boat, and on top of that, this boat can go like really fast. It's yeah. like, ah, okay, let it's me go check the, the lagoon, the Fontaine Pajot, and let me see with them, like, you know, yeah. uh, what trade-offs do I make now? So it's going to be very interesting to see what Outremer comes next uh, after the 55, because I think, you know, this is now a philosophy of the new Outremer. You know, I would imagine they're going to apply to their future boats. So, so well, that's, that's what all of the boat manufacturers do, right? They they come up with some slick new boat and then they apply it to yeah. other. And and we see with the production boats, I mean, it's definitely every release seems to be a little bit more targeted at the charter market and more mm, and more and yeah. more volume, more comfort, you know. And um, so it's a it's a trade off for liveaboard cruisers like us, you know, mm. because you don't need all that space. You don't need all those ACs. You don't need a lot of things that they come up with. Well, yeah, and some things they come up with are great for a week if you're on a charter boat oh, yeah. that, pr- practically speaking, don't make sense mm. for living aboard, mm. you know. And I could name 10 things on this boat that, you know, um, yeah. I think would be examples. But I think that um, what I'm really interested in seeing is Given the new changes they made on the 55, you know, what does that mean to other boats in their line? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, uh, it's going to be interesting to follow. And um, so there is an article that came out uh, this week in uh, in the Yachting World. It's called the best blue water multi-holes of all time. And so if you are curious about, you know, kind of more performance cruising boats, um, just check it out, uh, Google it. And they, they divided, you know, those boats into different categories. So one is performance cruising. So that's the Ultramar 51, the 55, the Sea Wind, the, the Balance, the, the Trimaran Rapido. Uh, then you have the pedigree performance so that's kind of more like the gunboat very specialized you know boats and then you have the family cruising so that's a lagoon the sauna 47 is in there the leopard naughty tech neil you know, trimaran so those type of boats 
And then you have the luxury cruising with the privilege and the um, and other boats. And um, and then on, in they have one less category uh, that's uh, our size and speed. So the McConaughey uh, or the H and H. So check this article if you're doing your research. And then, uh, and then I liked also- those categories. I liked how they did the various categories. I think that helps sort of put a structure in place where people can start to understand like, okay, how do I want to sail? Maybe, you know, is it more of a family thing I'm doing? Is it more of a, you know, this or that? And I think up to this point, it's sort of all catamarans were just catamarans, like different than monohulls. And that was kind of the conversation. And then you would go to a boat show and see who, who had this and who had that. But now there seems to be more sophistication in trying to create categories for these kinds of boats. Yeah. Or they'll tell you it's, oh, it's a blue water cruising boat. And, you know, but okay great you know some people have got, have gone around the world and you can do it and sure okay but is it truly like you know how you define like blue water boat like or you if you're going to find yourself in in really you know or trying to avoid weather systems or you know pick your your trajectories between the bad weather or escape bad weather and stuff like this so so those are it's great yeah those categories can help people when they go to a boat show or they talk to like boat manufacturers uh, dealers brokers to uh, to kind of uh, ask more specific questions and and so there was a video that was had been released by la vagabond um that i only watched recently and it's called um the truth about buying a cat don't be lied to and i think you should watch it it's uh, it's riley does this video it's it's funny but i think he's he's touching on all important points to try to educate people to ask better questions and not be uh, when they go visit a boat at a boat show and not be like oh yeah the the, the it's easy to get distracted the yeah space. Mm-hmm. yeah and um so and then there was a response from um uh, catamaran impi had they been sailing their boat for like 10 12 years across all oceans they have a lagoon for 40 um, and, and I think that the gist of that video is, as everybody says, the best boat is the one you, you have right now mm-hmm. and the one that you can afford. And I think, you know, the, the Lagoon 440 is probably a good platform, but there are some things, at least for us, that we wouldn't be a non-starter, like the Flybridge. Yeah, that's just not for us. Yeah, yeah, it's just so far high in, in, in big waves and you're exposed and, and, you know, sure, the advantages, you have better visibility, but... For us, it's a non-starter. And also, to really, they love their boat, and they've been obviously cruising. They've done it. a lot of sailing, yeah. yeah. But also, it's really important to to and, and um, to um, understand that they've once they bought the boat, <laughs> they spent eighteen months to prep it, they reinforce the um, bulkheads. The bulkheads. They really have done a lot of work on it. So, sure, you can take this platform, and as long as you have eighteen months and additional money, and you budgeted this, then you can make it mm-hmm. more blue water. Well, they we experienced that too, right? Like we experienced that with this boat. You know, we, mm. we were like, okay, we're going to get a blue water boat because it says it's a blue water boat, and then it has all these things, and then we ended up spending the whole first season you know, putting stuff on it to yeah. make it. Um, so I think that's that's also to, something to keep in mind, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it'll take longer for the Nutramir to come out of the factory, but it'll come out with all the little tweaks um, that you want to do, and you can pretty much go cruising. Uh, I mean, what they recommend is just go cruising for a month, come back to La Grande Motte for like a week or two, and then they 
fix the little problems. Yeah, that's. And then you're ready to go, based pretty much around the world. And versus, yeah, we've described, you know, you go through mm-hmm. a commissioning process mm-hmm. and more kind of another additional phase of prepping the boat. So you just have to allow, if you have the time and the money, and then and, and that's, um, you know, that's different routes. Yeah. Jacques, the guy's boat we were on, you asked him, okay, so what else have you had to do since your boat came out of the factory? Yeah, so he bought the boat three years ago, and I said, since it left Legonmont, what did you do? And he was like, pretty much nothing. Like, you know, I mean, he did a cover for the for the the boom of the mass like for the winter and um that was it (laughs) and then yeah and and now he's just added the lithium battery because he's going around the world and needs more energy and some solar panels and that's that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. you know so oh he just bought a new cell like a jenniker or something um so that's that's about it's just it, a yeah. different you know it's a different you take a cruising boat platform or sorry a, a family cruising boat yeah. platform and you make it more performance oriented by doing this extra stuff to it not performance more uh, well if you're blue gonna water uh, blue water oriented. sorry yeah blue not water yes that's what i meant and then or do you take a performance mm-hmm. Base platform and Which find is ways. Water, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> certified already, and um, and then and then you might be uh, tweaking kind of the uh, the, the living area, the living mm-hmm. area, and then yeah. So those are very different approaches, and and I think uh, it's it's hard to go sail on an outremer because there are less of them. It's not easy to charter one. Uh, it's more of the the regular production boats. But my recommendation is. Go feel for yourself how those boats behave, sail, and the joy they bring, and and really think about how you envision yourself uh, as a liveaboard. What is going to be important to you, um, and also what you think might be important at the beginning, depending on your experience, if you own different boats or not before. And what you are truly going to come to realize what is important to you, like maybe a year, two years into your your cruising, um, is might be a, might be different. Mm-hmm. So you you just have to experience for yourself, and talk to some people, sail on their boat, and uh, and try to make the best decision possi- possible <laughs> for yourself. Did you fall in love with the boat? Oh, you surely did fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel bad. We're cheating on a boat. Well, you had a big grind and like grin, know, yeah. grin. This this boat just like <laughs> feels really good. Yeah, it was really yeah. awesome. Um, I may have fallen in love with the boat, but anyway, so we're interested to see what they're going to do, and we'll definitely keep an eye eye on them. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, you know, we are lucky to be on a boat and yeah. uh, a great boat. We've definitely. had a great time and. Um, you know, we're wrapping up kind of our season now. And so our next uh, plans is we're just going to eke out as much of the summer uh, as we can going into fall, which is it's been beautiful here mm-hmm. and warm. It's getting a little colder at night. And then we're headed to cash to pull the boat out of the water for the winter. So mm-hmm. that's our plan. And do all the winterizing projects. And I'm sure we'll do a podcast on that. Yeah, there's um, a long list. <laughs> Great. So if there's anything you want us to cover in future episodes or any feedback, um, please send it to sailingowen at gmail.com.
Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Ha <laughs> ha